Welcome to the summer, everyone. This is the Living the Grace Life podcast. I'm your host, Jim Hobbs, and once again, along with my incredible crew that joins me each and every week on this episode 18, studio director first, Wayne Delaire. Wayne, have you been listening to some summer songs in that studio? I'm really not sure how to answer that. <laughs> Are you feeling summery? Okay, let me just I, oh, explain absolutely. something. Let me just explain something. You're deceiving the audience. What? Wayne takes his summer music, frankly, all his bumper music instructions from Wah. He takes it. No, you're it's saying that he, you are the one that provide Wayne's like music list for oh, the 100%. summer. Oh, yes. Oh my 100%. goodness! This is all. His this Spotify, all, you control. It, this is me. So we'll have me some treats. Me being Pastor Joe Davis here of Grace Life, Sarah said. Joe, are you in the summer mood? How are you? I, you tell me you love summers here in hot, steamy, Daniel 3 furnace-like. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> I was born hot. and raised in Florida. I love it. Uh, Sarasota is not as bad because you got a little bit of a breeze. Gainesville area is horrible, but I am in a summer mood. We have some treats for our listeners later on. Do not ignore <laughs> Do the not bumper music. Step away from the bumper <laughs> when music. When the bumper music right. comes in, we got some precious, Be precious listening. treats. These for you. are not. So you're you're saying these are not Wayne's suggestions. These are yours. They're always mine. <laughs> well, they're always yours. They're always your questions. You can email us here, Living the Grace Life. That's Living the Grace Life Podcast, all one word at gmail.com. If we read your question on air, you'll receive a signed copy of the book from Pastor Joe. Joe, we've done the first five chapters here of your book, of a 10 chapter book. And really, it has been for me. Uh, uh, the journey it has been amazing. We're going to get into some of the questions and just kind of do a review for some of the people to catch them up because a lot of people didn't catch us where we started. But I wanted to ask you just right off the top, when we started this podcast now 18 episodes ago, was is this what you had a feeling, what you intended? We ended up going really in depth on all kinds of subjects. We had lots of callers, lots of input was what did, what did you envision and how has this sort of turned out in the sense of where you saw this going? Well, first of all, I was really nervous about the whole project because I'd never done anything like this. And so I have to say, first of all, the job that you have done is in pretty, it's just been amazing. Oh, it's well, really made you. it easy for me to come in and just be myself. I don't do any prep work. You know, you have it all squared away. You organize, you ask me the questions and you bring in the guests and it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. And it has gone deeper than I thought it would. And it's actually made me even more excited about the concepts that I wrote about in the book than That's I was before. That's great to hear. It, I feel like yeah. it, it affirmed what I thought I believed. Yeah. So It almost expanded for me in so many ways, too, yeah. from reading the book and then getting the input of everyone. So, yeah, we just thanks for that. And then Wayne and... And Joe, for you, the way that you provide, I always thought when I saw you at the first time now a year ago at Grace Life Sarasota, that the ideas and the concepts and the you behind what it was that was going on each Sunday, that there, there, there was more there that I really thought that you had to convey and, and just to hear you be able to expand on those concepts and to talk about it for me has just been incredible, both for my understanding of theology and also for everything that we've been able to to go through the last year. It's been a, a fantastic experience. It's been fun. So it has been fun. So we're gonna get into all those questions, but first 
we're going to take a little special listen to one of Joe's summertime treats. Drums, please! for it right out of the gate you know why that song is so great no matter who you are when you hear it you just feel young again you go back you right? do you what do. year was that it's got to be like 94 or something is it in the, probably I don't the mid 90s know. i remembered like from like 96 7 or something yeah it's, it's such a it's, such it's like a, top down you totally yeah. feel it right yeah it's, it's the like an, it's the anthem of summer that and that must be why he named it summertime, right? That must be it. So, well, it is summertime, and this is our last podcast for the summer. And we just uh, we have a lot of questions, but Joe, I want to I wanted to go back over a couple of the things within the book that we had either talked about or hadn't yet discussed. And as I was rereading this, I went to the intro. Actually, this may even be sort of the the dedication page. Mm -hmm. It's not even numbered. And you put on this page, I specifically want to thank Pastor Dan Olson and our church family that was in New Hyde Park Baptist Church in New York. At the darkest time in our lives, you love my wife, Laura, my son, Ben, and me in ways we will never, ever forget. Your compassion, sacrifice, and hugs left a permanent impact on us and have made me a better person. And I just thought, the fact you call him out here, and he's the first person you mentioned in this book, I don't think we've mentioned him. He's going to be on the this, podcast. That's fantastic. In the fall. Oh, good. Now, was he? What? Who? How did he come about? Who? So he was. He was the associate pastor uh, at the church where I was on staff, and um, after at New yeah, Hyde Park, and yes. this is in Long or Queens, yes, Long Island. And yeah. after our, our daughter died in that car accident, mm -hmm. he was in many respects our pastor. More so than the lead guy who was busy, you know, but Dan really shepherded our family. He did all the organizing. He did all the comforting. He did all the consoling. He did the, the you know, all the logistic stuff for the memorial. And then afterwards and being with us and making sure he just, he was just walking alongside of us and uh, we became lifelong friends. We were friends before that, but we became lifelong friends through that. And to this day, he's one of my best friends. Uh, Actually, I'll be seeing them in a couple of weeks. I have to go to New York on business, and I'm going to wow. stop in and stay at his Still house. And, there, yeah. yeah. Now, why dedicate this? So this Grace Life book, though, but obviously that's a huge thing in your life. But why this book? Why put him specifically in this particular book, The Grace Life? Because we're talking Philippians and what it teaches us about loving one another relentlessly. But the fact that you know, had happened before, and now you write this book, he's still, over the course of all those years, he's still the guy you mentioned. Yeah, so I, I mentioned him because I learned so much about uh, grace from the people in that church, uh, mm. Dan being one of them. And, um, you know, that moment in our lives, obviously it was tragic, but it really was the uh, the tipping point for how I was going to be doing ministry for the rest of my career. It totally transformed how I saw church. Huh. It totally transformed what I saw was important as far as relationships and vulnerability and mm -hmm, intimacy mm -hmm. and accountability. These terms that keep coming up yep. in this book, right? Yep. Vulnerability, intimacy, accountability. These people in this church were the epitome of that. 
I'm still very close friends. Several of them support the Nightlife Center, the the non-for-profit you know I run here in the city, reaching out to at-risk teens. Oh, sure. They still support that. I talk to them often. They are they are a special group of people who loved us and still love us in ways that we could I, I learned from them what it meant to love the brethren. And that's why they're part of this book in the intro specifically. So that's if that makes sense. It does. It does. And I, it's just amazing to me that last, because a lot of things happen in our lives. And obviously, sometimes the most tragic of all, it, it, it things happen fast. It's a blink of an eye. And then as we move, like you saying in the intro, you know, you're from here, Florida, and, and for events to happen outside of it and to still maintain that closeness with people, for them to have that kind of impact on you. And I love how you said relationships. So on page 13, there was something I wanted to get to. You say, when God applies his grace to your life and you become a new creation, he transforms. Now, you don't say he transforms you. You say he transforms your relationships Mm -hmm. and gives you a supernatural, uncanny ability to love people. You don't even know that well. So I think a lot of people see grace because we had someone ask a question should I feel guilty about accepting grace? Which I thought was a very interesting question in the sense that, okay, there's sort of the Bonhoeffer free grace concept of do I, de- I, I don't deserve it. That's what we've talked about on this podcast. I'm given it, but then it's not for me. Yeah, that's what this, you say here. So This how, is so important. Right? So I think way too, look, I'm from a reformed view. You know, I believe in the sovereignty of God and salvation and grace and, and the, the doctrines of grace, but far too many people look at grace from a selfish, I don't mean that in a sinful selfish, but a centric perspective. And it's just not what grace does for you. What grace does for you, of course, it's mercy and all the things we don't deserve, All, the, but it's that's just the beginning of it. If grace has truly touched your heart and life, it will definitely manifest itself through intimacy, mm. vulnerability, and accountability in your relationship with his people. I'm going to say this. I'm going to another make a def- definitive statement that really makes people angry out well, there sometimes. I like these. If you don't have intimate, vulnerable, accountable relationships with other people that are part of God's church, not the church as an or institution, but church as an organism, as a body, if you don't have relationships with those three things, I don't think you're really a child of God. That's just my personal opinion. I don't think you can have a relationship with Christ and not have a connection like he had with John and Peter. Uh-huh. And those, you see what I mean? I just don't see it. Is I that don't see something it. though that I can do? So, so like it's, you know, again, the way I, I find grace life, I stumble into the church and then I find not only me and you, but, you know, I, I end up, you know, there's a guy there from Indiana, Matthew, who um, I get, you know, he goes to the race. I get, I watch the race. You know, you when end you, up oh, connecting, right? When you say the race, right? these people got to understand the what Indy you mean. 500, yes. The race. Oh, the race. <laughs> the yeah, race. Right. The most the amazing <laughs> spectacle, the best. So in a way, I guess, so I'm connecting with him and there his family comes to us and is saying things. We're saying things and we get, we get close. We establish relationship, but I don't feel like. I'm doing anything like out of the ordinary anything. I'm just being me it or whatever. Is. But I see that relationship happening. So what if I'm someone who goes to church and I sit there and I don't have those kind of connections? And then what you just said, well, wait, 
I go, I just go every Sunday. I don't really connect to the people. And now I don't have this relationship with the others. Am I a child of God? So here's the thing. What I would say, this is a naturally occurring phenomenon. For example, I think people would be surprised at the level of intimacy our conversations were, you and I had, within three weeks of meeting each other. Sure. Okay? So what I said in the book was you will develop intimate, vulnerable, accountable relations with people you don't even know that well. Right. This This is the supernatural connection that grace gives to children of God. There is there is a special bond that develops. The people that you've had on the show that we've talked to, yeah. I've only met Scott. Yeah. The rest yep, of them yep, I yep. haven't met, right. but I feel connected to them and I would love to meet them simply because they are children of grace. And right. so this right. is this is a naturally occurring phenomenon. Children of grace. I like how you use that word and say that because our next chapter was on suffering. And I have to say, and I never would have dreamed this as I read through the book and looked at our topics. That was the most popular segment when it came to input and questions. In fact, we ended up doing three, maybe even more podcasts just on the topic of suffering. And now what you just said, because what brought us together in a lot of ways was when we moved here, we found out our daughter was seven months pregnant. That was the whole. And then all of a sudden, me and you are connecting at a totally different level mm-hmm. because you know people from being here and you know people at the hospital. And then I learn about some of the things, you know, because I'm suffering. Um, I'm suffering for my daughter. You're suffering from things of the past. And in that suffering, everything begins to come together and it, it, You have page 32, early, easy life is well, easy, but hardship brings generosity, suffering brings sacrifice, service, and love, then unspeakable joy, if you know Jesus and trust his sovereign hand, that's suffering together. When I look back and think about Mira, my daughter, and having that baby here, which she gave up for adoption, um, it is joy. There's horrible suffering in it. The day that they gave the baby away it was horrible, but there's, there's, I look at it with this weird uh, joy, it's right? Joy. I like, but the fact I got to know you, I got to know people. It's not, I can't explain it. See, remember, and it's in the relationships. It's correct. not about me. Well, it's remember, joy is defined as the supernatural satisfaction with the presence of God over anything else. So, what you explained about joy. It is a relationship. It's a relationship with the presence of God and the relationship you have with other people who enjoy the presence of God in their life. So that is the joy. And so um, I got to tell you, you know, James says, count it all joy. Yeah. Remember what joy is? Supernatural satisfaction. Right. When you fall into different different troubles. And so, yes, I think the struggles reveal the benefits of grace-based relationships. Isn't that, so in the book, everyone talked too about the suffering chapter. They were like, someone said, I thought we'd hear more about the book of Job, which of course we know in the Bible is about a guy who is sort of tormented. It almost seems where uh, either you could read it, the Satan or the the adversary or Satan, however you want to call, name this right. person. They sort of cut this deal and then Job's in all this trouble and he's complaining and then God shows up. But You say here on page 34 that what happens if you fail to acknowledge God's sovereignty in the workbook questions on chapter two? And you've also said the book of Job is about sovereignty. Yeah, the book. Why is, because it seems to be about suffering. Yeah, the book of Job, suffering is a byproduct of what the book is really about. The book is really about God's ability to keep Job's soul secure 
regardless of what the enemy brings upon him. And even the enemy says, if you let me kill him, and the, and the sovereign God says, no, you can't. I'm in charge. Mm. But here's what you can do, and I can tell you right now, my servant Job will be faithful. It wasn't because Job was such a great man. It uh-huh, was because uh-huh. God's grace, God's sovereignty and salvation overpowers anything and everything the world can bring to short circuit it. So that's what the book of Job is about. And I feel like when it comes to suffering from this perspective, what you were talking about with Job and all these things, Uh again, I go back, suffering reveals all the benefits of grace. Mm. Without it, you 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 don't reap the benefits of grace without going through some hard times. You don't. You don't see it. Maybe you can't give it either because your next chapter, Humble Love, it makes me think, can you love someone humbly without offering them grace? And can you do that without suffering with them? Like I think about my wife who's who's dealing right now with a lot of, uh, of her past issues when she immigrated as a child from Poland to the United States when she was 12. They landed in Brooklyn. They were supposed to go to Chicago. It was terrible. It was terrible. And so she has never really processed a lot of that. And now 30 years later, she's coming to terms with some of that. And so I kind of feel like in a bizarre way for me, like in my total sobriety now, since I've mentioned on this show, I'm, I'm in recovery. I haven't, you know, I haven't drank for 18 months. I'm in recovery. So the idea of I'm giving her the opportunity to go do this feels like sort of maybe I'm 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 giving grace, but sometimes I'm I get confused, right? Like sometimes I'm like, maybe it's hardest to give grace. Let me because I'm it. sad, you know. Yeah, for let me her, break it down but, for you. Right? What am I? So what it comes so, down to is is I believe that one of the byproducts of grace will always be vulnerability. Mm. The best way to describe humility. Yep. You know, we can fake hum- humility. Well, oh, you yeah. know, like at the beginning of the show, I said you get all the credit, but we all know it's me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But that's you know, <laughs> yeah, real yeah. humility is right. Jim. Let me reveal to you where I'm really weak. And that's vulnerability. So vulnerability and humility are quite synonymous in the grace life, if, if that makes sense. Yes. And so without vulnerability, this is so important. This is so critical. Until believers grasp the value of vulnerability, uh-huh. they're never really going to understand what it means to have humble love for someone else. When I make yeah. myself vulnerable to you in a conversation, that is, in effect, humble love. It's love because I'm making myself vulnerable, so I'm trusting mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. but I'm also letting you know, hey, I'm no better than you, and I need your help. Yep, yep. It's so, so yeah. important. And you don't know if you're going to get the help. You don't know what the per- – and that's, I guess, I mean, this is Brene Brown kind of category of guilt and shame, right? Like, for whatever reason, I don't feel a lot of guilt and shame. I seem to be in the – and maybe I'm not Maybe I'm not humble enough. Maybe there's an arrogance there. I, I don't know, but I feel – like, I feel God's grace – if he tells me it's going to be wiped away as if it never happened, I feel like I do it a disservice to him to not believe that. Like, well, I believe that. Vulnerability is not shame. They're not the same thing. But if I say something that I'm going to be embarrassed or like, hey, I hate to say this, but well, Being I... embarrassed is different than shame. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I feel like 
I feel like that embarrassment is more of a social construct mm. of, you mm-hmm. know, society has said, this is embarrassing. This is what you should and shouldn't do. And quite frankly, the level of vulnerability that the true grace life will bring, society may label as embarrassing. Okay. Yeah. It's embarrassing for men to have intimate relationships with one another where they bear their heart and soul. It's, it's not normal. Right. Because society says you got to be tough Mm, or whatever. mm. But in the end, the grace life results in these vulnerable relationships that produce genuine humility. Now, here's what happens. If I have made myself vulnerable and I have made myself humble in that way, it's going to spur on other people that I've been vulnerable with to what? Be vulnerable mm-hmm. with me. Well, Joe's a safe place. I got something on him. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right. And so it creates this, this, this positive feedback loop of vulnerable, intimate love and accountability. It's always summertime somewhere. It's summertime in my city. Yeah. And sunshine on my back. It's on my back. It's on my back. Who is that? You know, there's a story behind that song. So I was watching this show on television called Fresh Off the Boat. When was this? It's a a show that currently runs. Now? Oh, okay. It's about an Asian kid that grew up in Orlando in the 90s. And they do these little clips like he loved hip hop music. Ah. And every once in a while, they'll play a clip of a song. And I said, I've never heard that song before. So I rewound it, listened to the words. I did a search and I found this song by this obscure group called Tragic. It's called Summertime in My City. And it's a smooth So you joint, hadn't, baby. I thought you listened, like these were ones you had selected from way, from, you know, when you used to, no, you just recently picked this one up. I found this, this one like up. two years ago. Oh my gosh. And it, it is it is smooth as butter, baby. Isn't it? You got like it. You like yeah, it. Yeah, you're this gonna, is like you're gonna download it. I on. want to do more summer uh, podcasts. <laughs> this well, makes this is inspiring. That's, to, listen, uh, that's a smooth song. It's you guys are gonna go out and get it now. You know, I wish I got royalties on it, but they're gonna see us. Hey, why were forty people <laughs> buying like, our what song? Happened? What happened? Downloads. I know. This is, <laughs> you're gonna break the internet. <laughs> it's tragic, which would be tragic. That's a great. At song. the end of the day, well, we are into now chapter four here of our review here on episode 18 on really what it means to live a grace life. Your book, What Philippians Teaches About Us, Loving One Another Relentlessly, has just been a huge, huge just uh, benefit for so many listeners out there. On relentless affection, this was one that I, it was a great topic because it seemed like a lot of people were, were really sort of immersed in this area of Paul and what it meant for him to have a sort of relentless love. And they there was a misunderstanding. Someone had asked me, okay, relentless love. Does this mean that I relentlessly love someone who isn't loving me back? Or do I give up in the sense of, hey, I'm trying I'm constantly with you. I'm showing you that I believe in what it is that you're doing and you're saying, and you keep refuting and keep not accepting my, like where does relentless love or relentless affection end? Like if you're getting, or is that too selfish? If you're getting nothing back, you're like, hey, look, this is too much. The whole concept in this chapter was founded upon the relationship between Paul 
and Epaphroditus yep. and the Philippians. Yep. And how they went through hell and back for each other to make sure that each other's faith was encouraged, to make sure they had what they need. So this relentless affection I'm talking about is the connection that you see between Christ, his children, and each other. So the example in this chapter, I think it's chapter four, the example is, man, Epaphroditus almost died on their behalf, trying to get a gift he to Paul. He was like the messenger, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then Paul sends him back because Epaphroditus says, I got to let them know I'm okay. Please let me go back. I got to tell, they're worried about me. Right. And then Paul talks about at the beginning, I've been blown away by your generosity. Remember, this church right. was a poor church that was funding almost all of his ministry journeys to other rich places like Corinth. Yeah. And they're funding it. And they're making sure he has, what they had a relentless affection for him. He had relentless affection for them. So I'm not really talking about how you love people that don't love you. Does he have relentless affection for them if they aren't having relentless affection for for him? So does he have relentless affection for the Philippians if they aren't the ones that are, Paul, we well, totally, like, like where does it, you so know, chicken or the egg thing, It's right? an interesting hypothetical question. So first of all, we can't know that because they did. But right. second of all, he did have relentless affection for other churches that were struggling. Mm, that's good. Now, he yeah. was harsh on them, mm -hmm. but it was still because he loved them and wanted them to, to thrive. The Philippians were a different animal, though, because mm. they were growing. They were encouraging. They were relentless in their serving. Look, I said before, I'm so jealous of the kind of church that they had. Yeah, yeah. And so this relentless affection is more based upon this this triangle of relentless affection between Paul and Epaphroditus and the Philippian church, just this, I mean, it's its amazing. So to me, it sounds more like it's a greater threat of loving yourself too much than it is to love over love someone. You have on page 58 here, devotional, loving others relentlessly. Our love of self often derails us from our affection for each other. When our main concern is ourselves, we become judgmental, unforgiving, and demanding of other people. <coughs> Sometimes the sins that derail us are our love for money or possessions. Perhaps our passion for our own agenda is the thing that keeps us from being relentless. So maybe that's a good way to look at it where it's like, hey, if you think these people that you actually love and care for, if you think they're not doing enough to earn your relentless love, Maybe something's distorted. Yeah, so maybe you're thinking about yourself. Relentless love is not earned, right? It is it, it organically happens. Mm -hmm. It's not like, okay, I have a an objective measurement and Jim, I will let you know when your love has become relentless. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. Right. Relentless love happens and it happens supernaturally and organically because of the grace life. Often what happens in other churches, sadly, is people begin begin to become judgmental. Right. They begin to feel entitled. They begin to have a little bit of a, a puffed up view of their own agenda of what mm -hmm. the church should do. Mm -hmm. At that point, the relentlessness now turns to our own agenda yeah. and away from serving others. Yeah, people might not want that. I mean, that, that becomes, well, that goes into your chapter five then, this affection and accountability. That was probably the most controversial of all the chapters that we have talked about thus far, where we talk on the credibility and Paul earning the right to speak to these people. So what you're saying here is if you want to relentlessly love someone and the church almost feels like it is getting involved, call it in your business from a judgmental standpoint, 
maybe that's not relentless love. You're saying maybe someone has overstepped their bounds of affection and accountability and actually not earned this right to speak. Yeah. I mean, is that in the ballpark? So of Here's what I would say. There, there have been times where I didn't like when people held me accountable, but I didn't hate them for it. Yeah. And you know why? Because whether I liked what they had to say or not, they had earned it. Mm-hmm. See, you'll know if you've earned the right to hold someone accountable right away. Mm-hmm. You'll know right away if you've earned the right. Because when you try do to- you know before you tell them something or during or after? When do you know? <laughs> you know- because I, I guess and, I can feel it. Like in the best of both, in the best, in the best case scenario, you would know it beforehand. Uh, I guess but, I wouldn't tell someone. I wouldn't tell someone something. Well, no, yeah, but I wouldn't tell like like I care about you. I feel like I could tell you something, but we have an understanding. Like, like I, you would be someone I know I could tell anything to, and I know that. I don't know necessarily how I know that, but I know that. And someone that I don't feel that way about, which is most people, I wouldn't say anything. Right. Well, there. look, there's a place for discernment and wisdom and all this stuff. So it's not, I'm not saying people, listen, just be vulnerable, intimate, and accountable with anybody you want. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But when you are living the grace life, when you have a life and relationships that are founded upon vulnerability intimacy and accountability. Again, these three things keep coming up as themes. This embodied the relationship between Paul and the Philippians. When that happens, affectionate accountability is a natural byproduct of it. So this chapter is more Mm -hmm. of, it's Mm -hmm. more of like Mm -hmm. saying, look, if you think you're living the grace life, well, let me tell you, this is going to take place. Right. There will be opportunities for affectionate accountability. I've used the example in our and our shepherd team, if, if we have a shepherding issue and we have to confront someone, uh-huh. the first question is, is there anyone here who thinks they've earned the right to talk to this person about it? Raise your hand. Right. If nobody raises the hand, that's on us. Someone hasn't that's made that connection. That's on us. Okay. Got that's it. on us. But if somebody says, you know what? I think I have earned the privilege. It's not the right. Yeah. I've earned the privilege yeah. of talking yeah, yeah. to this person. That whenever that happens, as a pastor, my heart soars. You know why? Because that tells me there is grace life type relationships going on in our church that I have nothing to do with. They're happening organically. Someone says, I don't think I have, but I know someone else in our church is a leader who has a relationship. Got it. That is awesome. Yeah, then you know I it's love working, it. right? It's then working. it's like all this work and effort. And you if feel there's like nobody in your church that can hold somebody accountable, they haven't earned the right. There's a big gap. There's a lot of issues there, it sounds like. So, wow. Well, let's give a little quick taste, a preview of the next five chapters. I'm just going to read the title of the chapter. Okay. And you tell me what comes to mind. All right, ready? Well, I love chapter six. We did this last week with your your basketball guy. Well, you did. Yeah, but with basketball players. This is not now KD or Kyrie. (laughs) All right. Well, this could be. Chapter six. What a title. Beware of not the beware of dogs mm-hmm. what what is going on people who try to adulterate and adjust the gospel I okay now i have questions i got to wait i got to wait till after the summertime to ask these chapter 7 be really really bad at religion don't become an institutionalist or what is that somebody who puts the organization of the church over its people Ah, okay. We've we've touched a little, maybe. I think I know what you mean there. Chapter eight, supernatural perseverance. What is that? This is one of the benefits of God's sovereign grace, that when times get tough, 
you continue on. We just talked about this in our study of the life of Joseph, uh-huh. how mm-hmm. Joseph was willing to wait and able to wait. And wait and, and wait. wait and yep. wait. Supernatural perseverance is a result of the grace life. Chapter nine, just call me coach. You gotta be coach. Able, you've got to be able to develop a teaching relationship with people that not only instructs, but encourages and feels like when somebody wins or loses, you feel the emotion with them. That's what a coach does. Uh-huh. That is a result of the grace life. So when when Paul was teaching the Philippians and investing in them and he saw them successful, he felt successful. It was like the team had won. I wish we coached together because I was an assistant coach in Paris for AJ. And uh, you would have been a good me, assistant. I was a head coach for AJ, but I... Me and you, and I would be the assistant. Yes, I, I promise you. would be you, the head coach. I promise you there would be games you would have had to take over because I would have been booted. So <laughs> It's like Hoosiers. You, you get purpose, the toss. Yeah. We're going to run the picket I'd fence. Be, I always thought I was like Gene Hackman. I was really, uh, who's the, the drunk guy? <laughs> that's quite close. See, to that's me. a little too intimate. That's too, too, that's too, too intimate. That's, that's too vulnerable. Too vulnerable. Yeah. Living, okay, chapter 10, living in gratitude. Last chapter, living in gratitude. How in the world... Can you not have intimacy, mm. vulnerability, and accountability if you understand gratitude for what God has done for you and for those around you that have become so important to you? You know, I just did it. You know one thing I'll tell you. This is a pet peeve of mine, and maybe it shouldn't be. I hate to hear someone say, well, do a gratitude list. Oh, yeah. But I, I don't, because then I feel like I'm going to write down, well, I'm better. I guess my life is better than this person. And I guess X, Y, Z. But I actually, I did. I don't know. I was, I felt called. I did one this week and it wasn't like that. Like the first thing I have on the list, I'm glad Christ died for me. That's not me having something better in a sense of something that I've done. And I'm glad I'm getting all this time with God. That's number two, because I've been doing all this seminary stuff. And number three was, I'm glad I'm not drinking. Mm. It's interesting, right? That that was valuable for me, really valuable, because I was in a place where I I was was not feeling. Just those three, I can tell you, are directly related to God giving you grace. Hmm. If you think about it, they're all about grace. Yeah, right? Undeserved. And and I tried to put it in some order. Yeah, and I I know, I guess it's undeserved, but that's... What makes grace the most amazing thing in the world, right? And I just had two, my daughter, her two best friends in Paris from middle school and high school, both of their dads just passed away, Hmm. 49 and 58, 59 years old, sudden. And it's like, oh my gosh, how unbelievable. How, How can we go through life and get all these frustrations and everything going on? Here's my daughters, the girls I coached. Their dads are gone. I, I mean, like, I know them. I mean, it's just like, why am I so wrapped up in some of this nonsense, <laughs> right? Like, you really begin Grat- to feel that. Gratitude so helps you Maybe have- that's live it well. Now, wait, what's live it well? That's after chapter 10. You got a couple that's a little, pages. That's a little it's outro. a conclusion. It's that's an outro. An outro? A conclusion, yeah. All right. Well, that with that outro, we're going to do <laughs> our own outro here at the mm-hmm. Living the Grace Life podcast. Mm-hmm. You can still send us questions, though. Don't forget, Living the Grace Life podcast. Living the Grace Light podcast at gmail.com. We will answer them any time of day, summer, fall, winter, or spring. But we're taking a, a month or two off from the podcast. We are. Right? We're going to take summer. a break. That's why we're doing these this summer This is why theme. it's a special. Because yes, the boys you, of summer, because the boys, the boys of, summer of summer are, summer are here. What? So whatever you do here, Wayne, thank you so much for all your efforts. Everything yep, you've job, done here Wayne. at Jump Dog. 
Audio Productions. Have a great summer. Joe, yourself, enjoy. I know you love this heat. Enjoy the summer. I can't wait to get back together. I'm Jim Hobbs. We will see you all next time. Remember, whatever you do, keep looking to Christ so he can keep you living the grace life and be maybe one of the boys of summer. <laughs> <laughs>